it is 8 a.m. in New York, 2 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 7 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I am a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Today's episode is about finding purpose and direction amidst the chaos. And for those of you who are feeling like you are in chaos, you're just happy to find your car keys. I get it. Finding purpose and direction might be what you're craving, but it might be the furthest thing from your mind when you're feeling like everything around you is chaotic. Enter our guest for today, Dan Millman. He's got a perspective based on one of his many books that might help you get more purpose and direction. It is my great pleasure to have Dan Millman with me today. He is a former world champion athlete, gymnastics coach, martial arts instructor, college professor, and on top of that, he's authored 17 books published in 29 languages. You might know him from Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which was adapted in a film in 2006. Dan has books that are published to millions around the world, and he speaks worldwide. You can find out more about Dan on PeacefulWarrior.com, but he has joined us today on Expat Happy Hour. What we're going to look at today before he joins us is what is called the four purposes of life. Dan's book is about finding meaning and direction in a changing world, and it's based on the four purposes. You're going to hear us talk about it in our interview. The first purpose he calls learning life's lessons, where we got to smarten up, grow up, and wake up. Second purpose is called finding your calling and career. Here's where we're looking at how to choose satisfying work, earn a good living, and provide useful services. In the third purpose, he moves on to discovering your life path, something he says he calls a hidden calling and how you can follow your higher potential. The third is the harder one to understand, but probably has the most interesting potential for you to see things in a new way. And the fourth purpose is called attending to this arising moment where we work to pay close attention in each moment to make it count. It is my pleasure to welcome Dan Millman. So Dan, they've just heard your really impressive bio about how prolific your writing is, how many people you've reached, and how most of this is centered on your ideas of peaceful warrior. But for those of who are listening, who are unfamiliar with Peaceful Warrior, can you tell them a little bit about you and how you came to be writing in that direction? I'd be happy to, Sunday. Um, I, I was a young athlete and a coach. And I, at that time, I focused on can we develop talent for sports? Now, that was my field. Uh, is talent innate or is it developed? And it seemed to me it was about 20% innate in terms of body types and so on. But about 80% of talent could be developed. And I said, well, if it 
can be developed if talent is the ability to learn faster and easier and rise to higher levels in any field how does it work in sport and it seemed to me that uh, when someone has more strength uh, suppleness stamina coordination rhythm timing balance and so on those qualities constitute what we call talent um, and so the first year I coached uh, any athlete who came in at Stanford University I would we would focus not on the moves or elements of gymnastics we would focus on building that foundation of talent and my theories worked pretty well in practice um, I the team went from the bottom of the conference to one of the top three teams in the United States in uh, about three and a half years and I might still be coaching today but I I realized I was going through some personal issues and I realized that being able to do these gymnastics elements didn't really help me when I went out on a date <laughs> or when I got married <laughs> or when I had children or when mm -hmm. I dealt with financial issues or questions of where to live, for example, those big decisions, um, mm -hmm. those skills didn't help. So that, that's when I started asking bigger questions, which is not how can we develop talent for sport, but how can we develop talent for living? And mm -hmm. for the challenges we meet in everyday life. And that, that question really led me around the world. It led me to study with various mentors uh, over a more than a decade, uh, some intensive material I'm going to write about in a future book, um, a memoir. But it led to an approach to living that it came up out of nowhere. It, I didn't deliberately, strategically think of, of uh, a brand or anything like that. I didn't know what that was at the time. But I had taught a course at Oberlin College when I was a professor there um, on internal martial arts, uh, internal development um, through Aikido and Tai Chi. And so I called it, I was going to call it the way of the warrior. But then I said, that doesn't quite fit um, hmm. because these are not aggressive arts necessarily. And I said, why don't I call it the way of the peaceful warrior? And that eventually became the title of my first book. Um, and what I mean by peaceful warrior it's really about all of us. It's not about me. It's not some special club one joins. Uh, because all of us, wherever we are in the world, we're seeking to live with a peaceful heart amidst the chaos of everyday life. And there are also times we need a warrior spirit. To, to re mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about fighting, though the old man in, in the movie version of Way of the Peaceful Warrior, uh, Nick Nolte plays the old gas station mechanic I called Socrates. And he says, I call myself a warrior, a peaceful warrior, because the important battles we fight are on the inside, you know, with, mm -hmm. with self-doubt, insecurity and fear and that sort of thing. Um, so there is that kind of battle. And if we win those inner battles, the outer challenges of everyday life become manageable. Uh, right. So oh, I, I anyway. want to just pull in here that what yeah. I love about what you're saying is I think that really resonates with my audience is this balance between how do I find peace amidst the chaos? When do I focus on creating calm with myself? And when am I ready to like bring out this warrior? So I, that's I think with when we're living globally, mobile lives and having to uproot ourselves and reestablish ourselves in new environments is something I think really people can identify with. Well, you know, as the cliche goes, wherever we go, there we are. Um, so <laughs> it's really about uh, it's about our own transformation, growth, evolution, however one wants to put it. But that is what I mean by peaceful warrior. It's about all of us, not well, just. It 
it spread like wildfire, right? There's a, a lot of people resonated with this idea. What do you think people connected with most? What were you saying that wasn't out there already that people were eating up? Well, it, if I knew how to write a book that's been so that popular, I would do it every time. Um, there's no uh, secret sauce. Uh, I happened. I wrote from my heart. I didn't know if the book. I thought a few college students might like it. I did, had no idea uh, the outreach it would eventually have. But it covered life's bigger picture. I think people could. Re- well, they could relate to it. The, the classic idea of the mentor and student, in this case, the old gas station attendant I called Socrates. Uh, Richard Bach had his mentor. Uh, the Karate Kid had Mr. Miyagi. Um, King Arthur had Merlin. Uh, and, and Carlos Castaneda had the Brujo Don Juan. So this story of a mentor teaching a, a bumbling student is not new, but it, it just worked somehow. The reminders about some of basic life skills, like learning to focus on what's in front of us rather than get wrapped up in the um, memory and imagination we call past and future. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of life skills I learned through the story, and my readers also got reminders. And that's all I can do is remind people of what they already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. Uh, You know, I really connect with that. I feel like that's part of my job as a coach to really help remind people what they know deep down or help them get back to the knowing that they've got deep down. You know, there's one thing that you mentioned, you know, the book that we're focusing on um, or that I focus on so much in my podcast that you've written about the four purposes of life, because my people that I work with so intensely in programs like Year of Transformation are looking for purpose and meaning. And one of the things I loved about your book, when you talked about the four purposes, one is the the first purpose is learning life lesson, is you talked about humanity's curriculum. And um, for those who haven't read it yet, you talk about things like learning self-worth, discipline, emotions, courage, and self-knowledge. And when I first read that, I highlighted it and put a star because I, I really wish these were things that were taught directly in our schools and we had more language for in our, in our professional context because the people that I work with are like award-winning leaders and really successful and still battle with self-worth. Well, yes. And there's so much more to even that first purpose. If I can just provide a context, in the Peaceful Warrior movie, the character, Dan, my character, um, has this realization when he reaches the mountaintop, uh, where they go for a hike up in the hills, and he says, Socrates, I just realized it's not the destination that makes us happy, it's the journey. And yeah, sure, there's some wisdom in that, some truth, because most of our life is the journey, not always reaching one destination after another. Um, except if we don't have a destination in mind, there is no journey. We just wander around. Mm-hmm. I believe we're hardwired goal seekers. Um, and when I watch my grandchild, um, I have several of them crawling across the floor, even a young baby, they're not just doing it for exercise. They want something. Mm-hmm. They're crawling toward somebody or something that they want. And to, from our point A, there, there needs to be a point B. Because, you know, happiness may be defined and success may be defined as making progress toward a meaningful goal. So it is critical, I think, in our lives for uh, for the quality of life, for us to have a purpose. 
Right. And in the four purposes of life, you know, just as as, uh, as I write in the introduction, uh, as we divide the days of the year into four primary seasons and the points on a compass into four primary directions, um, by looking at our lives through the four purposes I write about in this particular book, then we can – it helps us to get some sense of order and a direction and clarity mm. uh, and, as I said, meaning in uh, amidst the uh, the wanderings and the changes of everyday life. Right. I, I love how you talk about that from a seasonal perspective and it connects with what I've noticed in the work that I do with people it's hard, you know, there's this idea of, you know, I want a purpose. So people automatically go to the career um, direction. And what I've seen, and you tell me if you've seen something differently, I've seen that it's not going to, you're not going to land on the right career purpose if you haven't done the work on really getting clear on who you are, how you tick, what your value is, um, what your talents are, and are ready to then show up and do something for others, for a profession, from that sort of grounded space. Yes, uh, a very good reminder. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell once said, sometimes we climb to the top of our career ladder and realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, if we don't know ourselves, many times we know our self-image. We know what we present to the world. But the shadow aspects, the parts we've disowned, uh, that takes some work. It takes some time. Uh, college kids just graduating and expecting to go right into a field that they haven't even tested themselves against the world. It usually takes 10 years, at least. Most of us have experienced that, uh, stumbling our way toward the light, finding out who we are, what are my values, what are my talents, what are my interests. And the better, see, if we don't know ourselves, we end up making the right decision for the wrong person, mm -hmm. the one we thought we were. And many people make mid-course corrections. We call them midlife crisis, but I think it's a mid-course correction because we realize, you know, maybe law isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe right. that's... So it takes some time. So self-knowledge is key, as I point out in the second purpose, which is about career and calling and distinguishing the two. Yeah. Um, but that first purpose, you know, daily life is a form of spiritual weight training. And the purpose uh, of daily life, people wonder, well, what am I doing here? Is it is it about relationships? Is it about finances and career? Yeah, we learn about ourselves through those uh, uh, these challenges of everyday life, spiritual weights that we lift. Um, so th in, in everyday life, uh, there, there are rules in the school of everyday life. If we see earth as a school and daily life, our classroom, um, there are actually school rules. We call them universal or spiritual laws, which I summarize a bit in the, in the introductory section, number one, about learning life's lessons. But as you pointed out earlier, jumping back, to that purpose. Um, there are, well, someone might say, fine, great, Dan, daily life is to learn. Okay. So we're here to learn from our experience, but what courses are we here to learn in order to graduate? And, you know, I, I sometimes relate very briefly a dream I've had. And now nothing is more boring than hearing someone else's dream. However, <laughs> uh, it's a dream that we've all had. Whether or not we remember it, I think many of your listeners will relate to this dream. And the dream is you have an important exam. Maybe it's in high school. Maybe it's in college. But it's like a final or midterm, very important exam. And in the dream, you're confused. It's hard to find your way to the classroom mm -hmm. to take the exam. But even more common, you realize you've got this final exam and then you realize you forgot to attend the classes. 
You forgot you signed up for it. And this dream, which many people have had repetitively, I know I have, um, that the reason it's important is because that's how we live. Every day we have tests in our everyday life, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, there are these exams, these tests that come up in front of us, these challenges, and we don't know what courses we signed up for. Mm -hmm. I don't think people see it as a learning opportunity, right? I think that um, you talk about in the book how um, the true practice is not separate from daily life, but rather it's very substance. And I think when, especially with kind of globally mobile families, there's a lot of substance to learn from, but we're just trying to get through it. And we're not, we're not riding above it and going, wow. So how can I learn about myself here? You know, what does this mean about how I handle my emotions? I think it's a skill. We're not taught to go on the meta level and look at how we're responding to our daily challenges. I just think we get through our daily challenges. That's what we do. And it's just, um, we see it as these things that appear. Life is sort of like whack-a-mole. You know, that game, you hit one one mole down and the other pops up. Um, And we're not seeing or appreciating uh, it. It is a form of weight training. It is... You know, if you don't lift any weights, you don't get any stronger. Right. And I often ask people when I'm speaking with live audiences, please raise your hand only if you've experienced physical, emotional, or mental pain in your life. <laughs> well, all the hands go up. And I say, well, you know, we can disagree on a lot of things if we agree on everything, only one of us is necessary. But I hope we agree on this. Wouldn't you say that difficulty, that challenge you faced, maybe a big one, maybe a small one recently, don't you think you're, because of it, you're a little bit stronger? maybe a little bit wiser. Uh, In that sense, every adversity, every challenge in our life has a hidden gift. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pretend to like it, but (laughs) that is what brought us to our present moment. That is what uh, gave us some perspective in life. What's the big stuff and what, what is the small stuff? And so it helps us to appreciate these challenges of everyday life. In fact, we often volunteer for adversity. Um, I mean, everybody who's listening knows they did that. They did it consciously or unconsciously. Like we signed up to be challenged, right? Otherwise we wouldn't give up our community, our profession or whatever, and go across to other parts of the world and restart, right? Everybody inside, there must be something which said, I'm ready to learn. Whether it was, like you said, whether you want to open that gift or not, it's there for us. Oh, absolutely. And I I have great respect for people who go to different cultures, different countries, where maybe they don't speak the language uh, fluently yet, Um, different cultures, uprooting, but they're doing it, uh, whether they know it or not, for deeper reasons uh, than the one they may have thought they moved there for. And some people will nod their heads and go, yeah, boy, I learned that. (laughs) Right, I didn't know I was signing up for, right? Exactly. Travel is broadening, yeah. indeed. Um, it wakes us up in a different way. Um, so I think it's really adventurous and courageous, not only immigrants and refugees going to another country, but people who choose to go for, for a person, for work, uh, uh, for duty. Uh, this is a, an amazing thing. And it does help us learn even more lessons. And, and we all know how we gain perspectives from that. Uh, we can look back on our quote-unquote home country, unless 
unless we see ourselves as a citizen of the world, which I tend to, to see mm-hmm. myself that way. Um, well, I think it's a yeah, stepping so back that's it, important, right? And I guess what I'm going to yeah. pull back here now right. for the audience is if you're feeling yes. really, um, you know, if you're feeling like your resilience is low, if you're feeling the fatigue from transition, um, one thing that what I'm hearing you say is if we go on the meta level and just really celebrate, wow, this is hard and I'm learning and I'm growing and try to put your finger on what you are learning and growing will help you build your muscles, right? Like for the global family, global mobility muscles, um, even if it's hard. So we've talked just, I want to make sure that we get enough time to go through the four purposes. We've talked about the first purpose, which is learning life lessons, things that I wish we were teaching more actively in school um, around self-worth and and, um, managing emotions and self-knowledge. Second purpose is around finding your career and calling. And the big thing I took away from, from that focus was approaching your career and calling like a treasure hunt, really testing limits, um, to find out, you know, do you, is it that you, la- talent that you lack or is it experience and challenging people to say, how do you want to spend your life if this is what you're doing? So those are some really big things I pulled out from, from your book. Uh, what I'm a finding, help me understand the third purpose better because the first two I got immediately. And the third is what you call the hidden calling or higher potential when you're discovering your life path. Yes, that's the most mysterious uh, purpose of all. And m- one of my, you know, absolute best-selling books, over a million copies, is called "The Life You Were Born to Live," which addresses in detail this entire uh, field. But before I touch upon that, it's always a challenge, but it's fun too. Um, let me just say one more thing about career and calling. The second purpose. It's important for uh, people when they hear those two words to understand the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, our career is a way to make an income. Mm -hmm. We may find it meaningful. We may enjoy the people we work with. But if we weren't making any money at all doing it, we'd have to find something else because it's a basic human life skill uh, producing an income. And newsflash, we don't have to love our work. We're told that Mm -hmm. so many times. We don't have to love it. But if it's suitable for us, if it matches our talents, values, and interests, um, if we like things about it and it makes a, a good income for us, um, that seems appropriate. So people shouldn't go around saying, yeah, but I don't love mm-hmm. it. Well, nobody loves every aspect of the work they do. If we hate it, then we have to look for right. something else. So it is an experiment. And calling, though, may not produce an income at all. It's something we just would choose to do in our discretion mm-hmm. every time. It could be a hobby or it could be a deep uh, yearning to do something, an interest we can't explain. For me, it was trampoline, which started my life out. Just jumping on a trampoline uh, led to many other things. So, uh, Or playing guitar or music, or uh, poetry, writing, photography, whatever it is, that can be a calling. It may eventually produce mm-hmm. an income and become a career, or it may not. It's fine if they're two different things. So I just thought I'd It's good you that. mentioned it, because I think, um, you know, when we talk about purpose and this climate that we have right now around um, portable businesses and doing what you love, it, it really puts people in an awkward position of like, well, it really pays the bills and helps me take care of my family in multiple ways. 
but I don't love it. So really helping people um, tease out, you know, is this a rewarding enough career to then supplement my life with a calling so that the whole package feels right instead of putting the pressure all on how you're making money. So that I think that makes sense to to pull out. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to just address that. I'm glad. Thanks for the chance to do that. And the third purpose we were turning to finding your life path. Um, what is that? Um, because we already have things we're busy working on, whether it's relationships, money, health, you know, all those different questions. Um, and and th those often preoccupy us in everyday life. Uh, we're, it's like multiple attackers in martial arts. We're dealing with one than the other or juggling. Um, but so what is this, what is this uh, hidden calling, this life path? Well, I met one of my four primary mentors um, many years ago, and he, he sat me down and started telling me things that I could not understand how he knew this about me. Um, I said, how can you know this? Are you like psychic or something? And he said, no, I'm not psychic. He said, I've been trained to know where to look. He brought my life into a crystal clarity, things that were obscure. He knew me better than I knew myself. I said, how can you know this? Well, six months later, he said he was going to teach an advanced training and he was going to teach how he, where he looked, how he found this information about various people. And I said, you mean I can learn to do for other people what you did for me? Because he literally changed my life in a one-hour reading. I, 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 that's when I started stepping forward and teaching what I do now and many other uh, aspects of my life financially changed. And he said, yes, you can learn to do this. Well, I was there. Uh, it was uh, one of the islands in Hawaii. We met with a small group of people, and he did a series of lectures. And that's where I learned what I call the life purpose system. Now, I need to say and this is the elephant in the room, it is based on one's date mm -hmm. of birth. So in that sense, it is similar to astrology or numerology. Yeah. Now, numerology is not rational. I, I had never had a real big interest in numerology because it, it seemed a bit vague and abstract and maybe 40% accurate when I glance at a few books on that topic. But the system I learned from this particular mentor, I'll call him the warrior priest, He uh, this system was had uncanny accuracy. And I only had 20 pages of notes. I worked with it. I started doing readings for friends and relatives, anybody who'd listen. And they were so impressed. Like, how can you know this? That um, I began to offer these professionally for eight, seven, almost eight years. Um, and finally, I decided it was time to teach groups of people the system. And then I finally wrote the book. So that's where it comes from. It is, I, I like to think of it as transrational rather than Right. I like how you say that I mean, makes sense. I, I just have yeah. to assume that, um, I mean, things that are new to us, even things that other people fully follow or others are skeptical for, even like tarot cards or whatever, it's like, who can really claim that they understand the entire universe? <laughs> Right. I try to keep myself open to, you know what, there might be things in systems and energy and patterns that are out there that are, are beyond my understanding. So this is how, this is where I put my brain on the third purpose. I was like, I have to just surrender that maybe there's something bigger out there that I don't understand. Well, I invite any of your listeners to go to my website because they can actually, all our words about it, they're not going to get what we're really talking about in this terms of this third purpose. But if they go to peacefulwarrior.com, 
and they'll see right in front of them on the landing page a thing called Life Purpose mm -hmm. Calculator. If they just click on that, it's free, and just go to put in their date of birth, they will get a birth number, which doesn't mean much, but it has some key words, and it also has a paragraph, a taste, just a teaser of information about their life path or hidden calling, and they can access that mm -hmm. anytime. So I wanted to invite uh, any listener to do that, and it will give them a better sense, and they'll see the picture of the book also, and a life purpose app anybody can get for a smartphone, Android or iPhone, um, which it has all the And it's fun. Mine, mine is around freedom and discipline and cooperation and balance. And what I've done with it yep. is instead of trying to understand it, what I've done is to look at it as, you know, a lot of people are looking for direction. So where in my life can I go further with these ideas of freedom and discipline? Where in my life can I go forward with this idea of cooperation and balance? And it's a way to give people direction. It's like a heuristic move for those who are the most skeptical. It's a heuristic move to go, hey, where can I play with this in my life? And um, sort of get value. So I invite them to go check it out themselves and learn more. Just because of time, I want to make sure that we have time for the fourth purpose. Oh, we, we will. That doesn't take as long, but it's maybe the most important purpose of all. Let me just say one more thing about this topic, which is if I were to point to a tree outside, anybody's house, anybody's where they're staying, and they looked at a tree, chances are there's not a single tree on the planet exactly like that tree. It is unique in every stem and angle of every branch and leaf. Um, but I can so we're all unique, just like that tree. Uh, individuals. However, I can say things about redwood trees that are different from birches or aspens or oaks. So in that sense, each of us falls into a pattern. If you divide 45 life paths, which are in the book, uh, into the population of the planet, that means millions of people are working the same life path. Does that make them all the same personality or uh, identically? Of course not, because we each have our genetic heritage. We have our life experiences. We're shaped in many different ways, but we do fall into that pattern. And that's what people find surprising as they go into it in mm -hmm. more depth and see. And it's interesting how so, people have anyway, resistance with that, but they don't have resistance around personality patterns, right? Like this is where my tiny brain, yeah. I, I just, I can't comprehend the big picture of humanity fully, right? Because it's so complex and amazing. That's where I just find it interesting to sort of surrender to that and go, what can I take from it? Um, so the four purposes, one of the things I love about the four purpose, you talk about attending to the rising moment. You say that we're always here in the right here and right now. And there's no such thing as a future decision. Now, this I think is really important for my audience because we're often asked to make a decision. Where do we want to live in one year? What country, what language will we be speaking? What job will we accept? So help us apply that idea to these crazy lives that we live. Mark Twain once said, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which <laughs> never happened. Because most of our troubles are in our imagination, what we call the future, or our memory, which will, what we call the past. Um, but the more we contemplate it, the more deeply, the more we realize that all we have is this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, right what's in front of us. Now, you can't grab onto a nanosecond. It, there is no such thing technically as a present moment because it's, it passes too quickly. But it's about handling what's in front of us and getting less involved. We have the, the capacity to remember. 
We have the capacity to imagine. There's nothing wrong with planning our day, but we don't need to get too wrapped up in the plans because life mm -hmm. has a way of changing. But the most important purpose is the one that is in front of us. So yes, we can plan our day, we can project into the future, but we really make our decisions when we act. Someone once said, how do I know what I think until I see mm -hmm. what I do? So decisions are made by action and by focusing on what is my purpose in this moment, it helps bring us back to earth, give us roots and ground us rather than worrying about our cosmic purpose sometime mm -hmm. in the future. There is no future happiness right. either. We're either happy Absolutely. now or we're not. So, because all yeah. we have is now. So that's, uh, we, we make decisions mm -hmm. in the moment. And there is, there is a method, I believe, in that book or one of my other books called Timelining, where we use our imagination, a form of time travel to help make fully educated decisions. And um, obviously, there's no time to go into that now. But it's So I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that um, so they can check it out themselves. I'll just use one of your quotes from the book. You said, while some of people act without thinking, too many of us think without acting. And I think it connects to the fourth purpose um, really well. So in the interest, mm -hmm. and I might add, I might add that thinking about doing something, is the same <laughs> exactly, as doing. <laughs> right? And we don't we will, we discover what we really want by doing by getting evidence in real life and finding out if it feels like we're going towards something good or going away from something good. So I'm completely on the same page. So because our time is almost up here, I would love to hear from you two things: last parting words of wisdom for our people, and where can they find you? Okay, well, they can find me the same place they find the Life Purpose Calculator at PeacefulWarrior.com. And they can write, you know, contact me. It's not impossible to do. Just uh, contact and uh, if they want to drop me a note, anybody does. Um, so th that website, it has some fun features, as I mentioned. So PeacefulWarrior.com. And I think a closing message would be don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't even compare yourself mm -hmm. to your younger self because comparison is a form of disrespect for your own process. Um, and it's really about trusting the process of our life unfolding. Uh, I think that's so important. That's why I tell people, I'm not here for you to trust me. I'm here to help you trust wow. yourself. And I, that's always a good. You just gave me um, chills up my arm when you said, don't even compare yourself to your younger self. I think that's a message that a lot of us um, need to learn. Dan, I know your time is valuable. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us here in Expat Happy Hour. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. For those of you who are listening to Dan and resonate with all of these core things, I will put the links to his books in the show notes. So you don't have to stop now. You can continue to learn more through his work. So there you have it. You've heard the four purposes as briefly introduced in our conversation between Dan and I. I want to just go back and recap some of the main takeaways that I have after reading the book, The Four Purposes of Life, and our conversation together. I think from the first purpose, we look at learning life's lessons. These are the basic things, what he calls the humanities curriculum that we would all love our children to learn, right? Self-confidence, self-worth, how to work through fear. But honestly, when I think about all the hard work that I do with my clients, we're still knee deep in humanities curriculum. So if you are out there and you're struggling, if you're really honest with yourself, with self-confidence and self-worth, 
it's time to focus on the first purpose because this is really about using life as a classroom to add depth to your own understanding and depth to who you are and how you show up in the world. In the second purpose, finding your career and calling, I really like how Dan pulls out the difference between what is a career and a calling. And it's a gentle reminder in this individualized digital nomad life that not everything that you do for your career has to be so deeply, deeply purposeful that if what you're doing, you know, serves a function, pays the bills, that there are other ways that you can live a deeply purposeful life that doesn't always um, result in making money from it. So it kind of offers a, uh, I don't know, respite from the pressure that people feel that every single minute of your professional time has to be deeply meaningful. And I can tell you, I adore what I do. It is part of who I am. It is deeply purposeful and meaningful. But if I'm really honest, um, doing my taxes and accounting is not, (laughs) but it's part of the gig, right? Um, The third purpose, we talk about discovering your life path, this hidden calling. This one I thought was interesting because it offers what I call a heuristic move, another way that you can look at uh, the work that you do as you discover how you do your life's work. And then the fourth purpose, when he talks about attending to this arising moment, it is such a reminder that all we really have is now. And that when we get stuck in the past or the future, we're not really living. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Shinder Bean. Thank you for listening. I will leave you with a quote found in Dan's book by Oprah Winfrey. You have a sacred calling. The question is, will you take the time to heed that call? Will you blaze your own path? Are you the author of your own life? Don't let others define it for you. Real power comes by doing what you are meant to be doing and doing it well. 